The Church of Shi'ar Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut, welcomes you to Shi'ar Jashub, featuring the ministry of Pastor Greg Scalzo. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and today we will be continuing an important sermon in my husband's series on heavenly authority. Pastor Greg has been examining prophecy and the office of the prophet in the New Testament church. And in this message, he explains why prophecy has been minimized in church history, even though from the epistles and acts, it clearly has a role in the church. Pastor went back into the Old Testament to review the difference between receiving a prophecy and being a true man or woman of God. And he looked at Aaron and Miriam and Balaam, and when we left off, the account of the man of God in 1 Kings chapter 13. This man was told by God to travel to Bethel and proclaim God's word against King Jeroboam and the idolatrous altar, which he did, and which was powerfully accompanied by miraculous signs. He then left having been told by God not even to eat bread or drink water in that place. But an old prophet of Bethel goes out to intercept him and brings him back to his house to eat, lying to the man of God that an angel had spoken to him, telling him to bring him back. Once the man of God ate, it says in verse 20, that the word of the Lord came to the old prophet. Let's go back a couple of minutes for context. And he cried out to the man of God who came from Judah, saying, Thus says the Lord, Because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord, have not kept the commandment which the Lord your God commanded you, but you came back, ate bread, and drank water in the place of which the Lord said to you, Eat no bread and drink no water, your corpse shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. So it was after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk that he saddled the donkey. When he was gone, a lion met him on the road and killed him, and the corpse was thrown on the road, and the donkey stood by it. Uh, and then the old prophet goes and sees it. Uh, and he finds the corpse thrown on the road, verse 28, and the donkey and the lion standing by the corpse, the lion had not eaten the corpse, nor torn the donkey. And the prophet uh, took up the corpse of the man of God, laid it on the donkey, brought it back, and he mourned over him, saying, Alas, my brother. He buries him, and he tells his sons, When I'm dead, bury me in the tomb where the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his. And when uh, later on, when Josiah does come down and strike the area, he leaves that tomb as sacred because the man of God was from God and had proclaimed the right word to Jeroboam. It can be very confusing, right? Here you have a man of God whose heart's right, does what he's supposed to do. You have a lying prophet, but he's still a prophet. He's just thinking about himself. He wants to have fellowship with this guy. He lies about the vision from the angel, brings him back, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes on him and he prophesies to the man of God that you didn't do what I told you to do. Because the man of God was too fast to accept the prophecy from this old prophet. Right? Don't 
quench the spirit. Don't despise prophecies, but what? Test, right? First Thessalonians. Test. He didn't test. He just assumed it was from God, and that was wrong. And that's a caution to all of us. Because the old prophet lied, right? And yet, he still could be used by God, because God then spoke a word through him to rebuke the man of God. And the man of God is so holy, he doesn't, he dies because of disobedience, but the lion can't even eat him because his bones are as sacred. Many times the vessels are not what they should be. This old prophet had a gift from God, but he wasn't what he should be. There's a New Testament example of this also uh, in John chapter 11. Clearly, we're called not just to receive gifts from the Holy Spirit, but to be men and women of God, faithful in all God's house, discerning the form. But we're not to despise prophecies necessarily because the vessels themselves have problems, rather with the test. Here's a vessel that God uses, not because he's anywhere near God, but because of his office, because of who he is. The people of God are the descendants of Abraham. The center of worship is Jerusalem. The center of the whole earth is the temple. And who officiates in the temple but the descendants of Aaron? A very special place. And who can go in on the Day of Atonement but the high priest? The high priest in Israel has the most special position, right? So because of his position and not because of his character or his love of God, this man receives a prophecy. In John chapter 11, verse 45, Lazarus has been raised from the dead. And we read, Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things Jesus did. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council and said, what shall we do? For this man works many signs. Well, raising somebody from the dead is a tremendous sign. If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and nation. They're concerned for their place, their position. And they'll destroy our nation. If it keeps going on, you notice the fear of the Romans is blinding them to the miracles of God. A man was raised from the dead. Why are you fearing the Romans? But they're not really believers, believers, those that would believe that an old man and an old woman could have a child, that God can part the Red Sea, that God can bring down the walls of Jericho. So if a man is raised from the dead, what is there to fear of the Romans? They're in fear of their own position, and they are afraid of the Romans. And what are we going to do with this man? They're going to come in and take away our position, our place and nation. Verse 49, and one of them, Caiaphas, being high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all. It's not going to happen. They're not going to come in and take our place. You know nothing at all. Nor do you consider that it is expedient, it is better for us that one man die, that one man should die for the people, and not that the whole nation should perish. That one man should die for the people and not that the whole nation should perish. It's easier for us. It's better for us. 
And we're told then, very interesting thing in verse 51, now this he did not say on his own, his own authority, but being high priest that year, he prophesied, we're studying prophets, right? The gift of prophecy. He prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for that nation only, but also that he would gather together in one the children of God who were scattered abroad. Then from that day on, they plotted to put him to death. A gift of prophecy. But what do we know from what Joseph tells us in Genesis chapter 40 and verse 8? Do not interpretations belong to God, Joseph tells them in the prison. Do not interpretations belong to God. They, that prophecy is a real prophecy. Jesus would die for the nation of Israel, and not for that nation only, but also that he would gather together in one the children of God who were scattered abroad. The children that were the Israelites that were dispersed, those of the Gentiles, he would die for them all and gather them together as one people. Was that a true prophecy? Yes, the Holy Spirit doesn't say he got a false prophecy. He received the prophecy. Being high priest, because of his position, he could prophesy. Did he interpret it properly? No, because his heart is wrong, right? And he interprets it. He's we're not the Romans aren't going to come and conquer us because of him. It's more expedient, it's better this man dies. Let's plot to put him to death. He's to die for the nation. And he did die for the nation, right? So here you have the hard-hearted, blasphemous Caiaphas receiving a prophecy from God. Balaam receives prophecies from God. Aaron and Miriam receive prophecies from God. The old lying prophet receives prophecies from God, right? So if a vessel is not perfect, it shouldn't cause us to despise prophecies. Rather, we're called to test the prophecy. Now, from their point of view, that does not alleviate the responsibility because if you're called to position of authority, to whom much is given, much is required, you are required from the law to present the office of the prophet if you're going to give a prophecy. Your life should line up with God, right? Balaam will die for his sins. It does not take the responsibility off the person with the gift, but for the church, you know, someone can speak a word from God, be confirmed, you can feel the Holy Spirit as a testimony, agrees with the scripture, and we'll talk about that later on. And then later on, see the person's sin, and you say, well, why should we have, we better avoid this thing of prophecies in the church, because look what that person did. But again, you can say the same thing over preaching the word of God and teaching the word of God. How many preachers and teachers have fallen? You don't despise preaching, you don't despise teaching, don't despise prophecy simply because of faulty vessels. Also, if someone has the gift of prophecy and they say, well, I prophesied, so I must be in the right place with God, remember that even Caiaphas prophesied. Even Saul, at his worst point, falls down and prophesies. But he's in a very bad place. Doesn't make a person special or say, well, you got to be okay because God gave you a word. And that's for any of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Laying on of hands, 
healings, teaching, preaching, tongues, interpretation of tongues, casting out demons. Many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not? And he will say, away from me, you doers of iniquity. I never knew you. Moses knows me. He knows the fullness of my form. He's faithful in all my house. We're most importantly called to be men and women of God. And receive then these gifts to use in service, not lifting ourselves up, not lifting somebody else up, not holding them as infallible, testing, but then neither despising prophecies, because then you've cut the voice of the Holy Spirit out of the church. Another reason um, that prophecy, I believe, is quenched in the church to despise is that there are false prophets. Now, we've talked about people that were in sin yet received true messages from God. But there have been false prophets. God bless you. Jesus cautions in Matthew chapter 7, in verse 15, very clearly, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. We invite you to view our new Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle channel on YouTube. Because of the coronavirus, we began live streaming the sermons by Pastor Greg and Associate Pastor Francis David, Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. Each study is then posted up on YouTube to be viewed 24-7. So please join us live or at your convenience afterwards. You can search YouTube for the channel or use the link we have placed on the church website at shiarjashub.org.